Today's episode of the Hail to the District podcast is brought to you by the Young Tennis Players Project, our presenting sponsor for 2018. The Young Tennis Players Project retails sports apparel, but with a unique twist. The majority of the proceeds goes towards helping young athletes receive hands-on tennis lessons and training, which can get very expensive, while the remainder actually goes back to the investors in a revenue-sharing opportunity for those who participate. And with no upfront costs, there's no risk. It's actually all upside. So to learn more, visit www.ytp.tennis, that's www.ytp.tennis, or just click on the link in our Friends and Sponsors section on the Hail to the District homepage. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. I'm Rajan, and we've got an awesome episode lined up today, if I do say so myself. With Major League Baseball spring training in full effect, not only do we bring on fellow Hail to the District writer Pat Rice to talk some baseball, but we're also joined by Jamal Collier, the Nationals beat writer for MLB.com. So, Jamal, we'll start with you. Thank you so much for joining us today. How's it going on your end in sunny West Palm Beach? I imagine it's sunny. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. It's funny, we... uh it's kind of got a it's been a little windy the last couple of days here in West Palm Beach. Uh, you know, it's been like high of 70s. It's been like, you know, high 60s or so really for most of the day in Chile. So we all got our hoodies and we're kind of complaining about that. And then yeah. you look at yeah. some of the weather up north and especially New York got hit pretty hard with the snow uh, the last couple of days. So it kind of makes us feel a little bit bad about complaining. But so it's great down here. Yeah, we're all playing <laughs> you know, the tiniest little violin and in sympathy for you. We really are. <laughs> That's very um, interesting. And Patrick, making his long-awaited podcast debut for Hail to the District. How's it going, man? Going well. If it's a debut, it might as well have one quick uh, quick air in the beginning. But uh, no complaints. Going pretty well. Thanks for having me. Shit happens. Um, so let's just go ahead and start with the top. And um, at the risk of reliving another classic DC sports team collapsing in the postseason uh, storyline, um, when we last saw this Nationals team, they were holding. Uh, they were they went they went to Game Five against the Chicago Cubs in the NLDS. They actually held a four three lead in the fourth inning, and then shit just got really really weird. And uh, despite a last second or last few innings comeback attempt, the Nationals lost nine eight and. You know, everything went down from there with Dusty Baker and all that stuff. So just kind of starting from there overall, Jamal, from being around the team so far this spring, what's your sense in terms of the general mindset or the psyche or fragility or for any of those things, given what they've gone through year after year, losing in that last decisive game of the NLDS and haven't broke through? How What's what's the mindset of this team in, in general? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, it's kind of odd to say, but I feel like they've gotten kind of good at turning the page here i mean when you they've been through this kind of crushing loss um before and and i mean there's different guys in that clubhouse and different personalities that it affects kind of in different ways um you know some guys can look at that series as uh motivators some guys kind of probably lingered in that series a couple of you know a little bit through in the offseason some guys were able to kind of turn the page right away i think um in general there's not a whole whole lot of um, you know, these guys aren't necessarily focused or wanting to discuss things that happen, especially in that playoff series. I think that they're kind of all ready to kind of go forward and, 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 and you know, go past that. And again, I think that part of that is to, um, you know, the fact that, again, they've been through this before. A lot of these guys 
almost everybody in the clubhouse has at least been through one, if not two or three, um, before these kind of crushing playoff losses. But I think there's also some kind of excitement just about where they could be going with the new kind of page they turn when you put a new manager, a new coaching staff, and kind of a new spring training camp. So, um, you know, in, in general, I think that the, that playoff loss, I don't think it's something that's stinging and lingering in them um, right now, uh, just because it is spring training and it is the time for optimism and a time to kind of go forward. So I think I, I actually kind of buy all that. I don't think that's something that's, that's kind of putting space in their mind right now. Yeah. Jamal. Go ahead. Jamal, quick question to follow up on that. <clears throat> with like, obviously the team has lost in the NLDS, you know, a handful of times, right? We've done it with Dusty the last two years, Davey before that, um, you know, Matt Williams the time before that. I'm curious with like the way that Martinez has come in now, right? He, first thing he did was the trust circle with the pitchers. He's done. He's had the Camels, which is ridiculous, but you know, I get it. Um, but the, my, I guess my question is. He seems pretty laid back, players coach style, but Dusty was the same. Exactly. So like, but so my guess question here is is what's the difference um, with the team from Martinez versus Baker? That that's almost kind of what I've been trying to get at a little bit this spring. And I think um, to an extent we're still in the honeymoon phase with with Martinez and, and all the you know, the, the a lot of these these kind of different, you know, say antics or whatever you want to call them during the spring. Mm-hmm. Um you know, but but right now, again, this this everybody's kind of excited and and all these new things about this new coach, and and this is similar to what I heard a couple of years ago, dating back when Dusty came in, and it was obviously kind of a stark change from Matt Williams to Dusty now. But um, this does seem a bit different, and just kind of from my the way I observe things, I mean, I think that you know things are. I think Martinez is a little bit more modern. Um, in the way that the the way camp is being run, in the way uh, things are kind of going, and I think that these guys are for coming in, they're working hard, they're doing what they need to do, um, and, and they're kind of doing it in a little bit different ways than they they're used to doing. And I think that's where you see the kind of quote unquote laid backness. I mean, in, instead of traditional relays or whatever they're doing, they're kind of having comp- relay competitions or they're doing uh, you know pools on things to see who wins or whatever. They're just kind of I don't know. There's just like little different. You know, games or competitions or whatever it might be to, to try to get those normally mundane spring trade. There was a, a bunting competition between some of the starting pitchers or something uh, on the backfields one day. Um, so I think just in general, you know, people are a little bit uh, – it, it, part of it is, it's, again, it's the honeymoon phase and, and everything right. seems fresh and new and, and they're excited about it. But, um, yeah, I, the, the something I, I've thought about a lot is that, you know, everybody talks about laid back in this kind of new camp, but Dusty's camp wasn't necessarily a – uh, uh, Dusty's camp was laid back, and I think it's just a little bit of a different way, um, just in the way that Martinez is is presenting things, and the way these guys are kind of getting. Ex- yeah, I saw the the home run celebration today. I thought it was actually quite comical, um, doing the doing the walk off around. It's little uh, little things like that. I imagine they did under under Dusty, but um, you, you add the relays that they've done with the one that like I think Harper and Rendon just won some relay. Um, uh, today as well. I feel like he's trying to instill a competition while still having fun, um, yeah. which, you know, add the analytic side that he's going to bring. I hope, um, yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what this more modern, if you, uh, to use your term, uh, looks like. Yeah. And I, I think even, I mean, a little quick, you know, add addition to that. I think even some of the coaching staff, you know, beyond Martinez is kind of, let these guys have a lot of energy. Bobby Henley, who's the third base coach and, you know, Nets fans probably know he's a guy that has a lot of energy in general. Um, they kind of turned him loose, and he's he's kind of really been one of the more energetic faces of their 
you know, early workouts and, and, and some of these things. And he's loud and he's excited about kind of everything. And Chip Hale, the new bench coach, is kind of the same way. He's all over the field running around and yelling and screaming. And I just think that, um, you know, in general, there's a lot just more energy, I can feel like, from the coaching staff. And a lot of that, it's, a lot of these guys are just younger than the staff that Dusty put together. Um, but, uh, again, I, I'm, ex- I, I'm interested, interested to see exactly what that translates to um, on the field or, or what makes that different. How much do we feel like this is um, – so I read the uh, I, the Tom Verducci book. I forgot the name of it off the top of my head about the Chicago Cubs run, like yeah. Theo building the team and kind of the way Theo approached it and, and, and Joel Madden approached it and stuff like that. Um, do we – how much of an offshoot, I guess, do you feel like Martinez is from Madden in terms of the way they approach just from your basic knowledge or from what you've been able to gather? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he obviously was under Joe for a, a decade, and I think that um, not just Joe, but the front offices that he is has been around. Um, you know, they, they he he's taken almost all of that. It's kind of molded him him to the you know manager and person that he is right now. Um, you know that we see today. I think that um, and, a, and a lot of this, I think that people will see some of the stuff. There was kind of a little bit of a I don't want to say backlash, but after the camel thing, you had a kind of a section of people kind of say, "Well, he's just copying Joe Madden." And, um, you know, Dave will tell you, well, that's that's not me copying Joe Madden. That's me being me. And I think that uh, a lot of those things between him and Madden, they, you know, they they huddled and discussed a, a lot of those decisions, a lot of those things they went about it. Joe obviously had the kind of final, you know, say so, and he gets a lot of the credit for it. But I think um, behind the scenes, and I've had multiple people tell me this from the Cubs organization and even some of their players um, say that a lot of that credit and a lot of those things, um, you know, were a Dave Martinez thing as well. And I think that. Um, not just as far as the the animals or some of the wacky things, but you know some of the decision making and some of the the way that they go about their business and, and kind of are calm and loose. Um, I think that's a lot of a lot of uh, that's going to be Dave Martinez's personality. I think that's going to be something that he's going to you know inject into this team. And I think uh, you know it's it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna look very familiar to a lot of things that Joe does. And I'm also another thing I'm interested to see is exactly how different or where, where do these two differ? You know, what, what things did they talk about? And then Joe had the final kind of say, so um, that Dave might do differently here this, this time in Washington. Without beating the dusty thing to a pulp, I guess my one question, and I'm not as well-versed on this stuff or in, in terms of this particular subject, but just based off all the storylines that came out after Dusty was dismissed, do we really think Dusty, I mean, we know some of the gaffes and to Pat's point about, you know, approaching the game situations in a certain way and maybe being more, him being less inclined and Martinez being more inclined to use things like analytics was at the risk of alienating any relationships on your end, was firing Dusty more the right move or just more of a reactionary move? Like we need to kind of perform an exorcism of what just happened and, and start fresh. Um, yeah. Uh, the Dusty thing is an interesting thing. I mean, I will say this. I do not believe he he was not the, the issue. And I don't, I don't, I don't put um, either of those playoff losses on him. Um, I think he got out managed a couple years ago by Dave Roberts um, I don't really think he made any notice. You know, he took some minor things, I think, in last playoff series that, um, you know, that I didn't think he necessarily did well. But I don't think he cost them that playoff series last year. And I think, you know, it became a lot easier, one, like you said, to have a scapegoat um, when you do kind of lose back to back years and you kind of need to do something. And the team is pretty much set and good. Um, it was kind of easier for him to be the fall guy, especially because he didn't have a contract. It would have been a lot different if you had a guy signed for two more years and then you have to fire him. But as opposed to just not giving him a new contract, it's a kind of a little bit of an easier 
you know, decision to make. Um, that being said, I think uh, putting that aside, having a manager with a more analytical background and it's going to make decisions based on those things is going to be a good thing. And it's going to be a thing that this team can use. Um, I, I like Dusty a lot. I, I uh, have a lot of respect for the guy. And I think he's a good manager. I think in 2018, um, he can be outmanaged, and especially in a short playoff series. And, and, and especially, I guess, some of the kind of newer modern managers that we have seen um, get hired over the past handful of years or so. Um, and I think that Dave Martinez is going to sort of even the playoff, the playing field a little bit in that regards. Now, the difficult thing is getting a team through 162 game season is very difficult. Mm-hmm. And I think that Dusty had mastered that as opposed to giving guys days off, when to push buttons, when to, you know, when to whatever, to, you know, when, to, when to go about things like that. I think that that's just a little bit more difficult to to learn without doing. And I think that that's what I'm kind of uh it's going to be interesting to see how Dave manages that. Now he's been a guy who's been a player who's been around, you know, done this for 10 years as a, an assistant coach. So I don't think it's going to be necessarily something that will be foreign to him. Um, but you know, when you talk about some of these managers who've never done it before, they may have a, uh, you know, a, a, an advantage when you talk about a short five game series or a playoff. The problem is, you know, can you get somebody through an entire season and just how are they going to react to the pressures and the, the things that you have to go through through an entire season? How, I mean, what, what's going to happen when, the team goes on losing streak or, or, you know, stuff really starts to hit the fan. I think that's, that's where you're going to see the, the difference here that we knew, we knew we had with Dusty in those senses and we don't really know what we have with Martinez. So, um, yeah, I mean, overall, I think that this change can be good and can be a net positive. Um, but it was to me a bit of just a reactionary move for a guy that, you know, took the fall for something that I don't really think was his fault. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I'm not sure either of those losses were his fault, but I, I will say he lost me when uh, he left or brought in Ali Perez to pitch to Rizzo in Game Three. Um, now people forget like Perez beat Rizzo with that pitch, right? It was a blooper. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which you know, I'm, I've, as Rajan knows, you know, both of us live and breathe DC sports. It was bound to happen, and I remember as soon as he started pitching pitching to him, I think it might have been the first pitch. Uh, I was. I said we're going to lose this game because of that happening. So Dusty actually did lose me there. Yeah. Um, but you know, to come full circle here a little bit with Martinez now, and he he has some decisions to make, right? And I, I'm very glad he's. We're going to have some more analytics um, coming in. But from a team personnel standpoint, obviously they've been there for a few weeks now. Um, you know, I saw. I think you uh, you tweeted out earlier that AJ Cole is not pitching tomorrow. Um, how is the rotation looking? I'm, I'd be curious. I know Strasburg came out throwing bullets. Um, you know, Scherzer's going to throw darts, but that fifth roll is still up in the air. Uh, so be curious how that rotation is looking. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm kind of focused. The other four guys are, you know, somewhat of known commodities. So I'll focus a little bit on, on this soft spot, which honestly is, you know, came into camp and they, they made it known that I was here that Cole was going to be the favorite. Uh, he's out of options. Uh, they were really impressed with what he did at the end of last season. And I think that, um, you know, that they, they kind of sold it as, well, he's going to be the favorite. And honestly, coming into camp, I, you know, they haven't officially said anything about who's going to be their fifth starter. But it, it's not really been much of a competition. They don't seem, um, right. I don't want to say interested, but I mean, it, it seems like this is A.J. Cole's job. And unless he got hurt, this is how it's going to be. And I don't think that there's any really much room of, of debate for that. I'm, it kind of surprised me a little bit. 
Um, even even knowing the things that I knew, and I would have bet on Agent Cole as a favorite, but I thought, you know, they may give Fetty some starts here. They may look at, at some of their veterans in Jackson and Malone or, you know, still even think about signing, not necessarily Arietta, but even uh, one of the other kind of free agent starters. And, and they really just have not been interested in those kind of things. I mean, I can't um, stress enough how many times I've almost had to refute reports that they're not looking at other pitchers. They feel pretty good about what they have, and they, they feel really good about A.J. Cole. Um, you know, and it, it, I think it's, uh, I think, you know, whether or not he turned a corner at the end of last year is, is kind of remains to be seen. He did look really impressive over the second half and over that last, you know, maybe five or six starts. Um, we've seen pitchers in August, September before have five or six good starts and that kind of really doesn't mean anything. So I'm kind of curious. I mean, you know, perhaps they think they can get through the first couple of months of the season and then eventually, um, you know, you make a move the deadline if you really need to, or Joe Ross is coming back, or, and you kind of just figure it out. You know, fifth starter is not that important in the grand scheme of things, but um, yeah, it, it, this is AJ Cole's job, and uh, you know, he's he's not starting tomorrow with just a sickness, because uh, a little stomach bug is going around. I think Adrian Sanchez had it first; they sent him home. I think you know AJ Cole's kind of caught it now, so it's nothing serious with him. But yeah, I mean, he's he's kind of the one unknown. Here. The rest of his rotation is going to be really good. I mean, the guys at the top, Max and Strasburg, are um, as good as they are anybody in the league. And, and I think that, the, you know, as long as those guys are healthy and, and going, that they're going to have, you know, as good a one-two punch as anybody else. Uh, you know, a little bit of regression from Gio, but he's still pretty much, you know, what you're getting from him. And I think Tanner is going to be better than he was uh, last year as well. So, I mean, it's going to be one of the best rotations in the, you know, in the National League, if not baseball. Um, they, they, the key is going to be exactly what they get from the fifth, from that fifth starter and from AJ Cole and, um, and how long they're willing to stick with him. So at the risk of reading between the lines, we were never really that serious or it was never that advanced in terms of all the Jake Arrieta rumors. I think while they may have kicked tires at some level, you probably are thinking that, you know, as you mentioned, they were comfortable with the guys that they had in house. I think, I think they all, I mean, especially when he kind of lingered out there on the market for so long. Uh, and obviously he just signed, reportedly signed with the Phillies. The Phillies, yeah. Physical. Um, you know, I think it was, it was something where they, if he had, the market had fell, you know, it obviously had fell anyway, but if his price had really dropped and he was going to take a, a EV, sign a three-year deal, but if he was going to be a one or two-year deal, um, and it's something that they could just kind of pounce and per- perhaps they would have entertained that. Um, obviously there's the Boris connection and, and the Boris connection with uh, ownership. And I think that that, also was always a you know, kind of really never knew how much was at work there but yeah in general um you know i mean I don't, I don't think that they ever really seriously pursued him uh as, as an option and, and and again really any of the other stuff i i, I was never really high on a jake arietta train but i probably would have been earlier on i would have probably made a case to sign uh lance lynn or an alice cobb or one of those guys to get in yeah, because they just you know that is, is your number three or four starter, even fifth starter. Um, I think that just kind of improves your overall depth, you know. Because I think that's one thing is about this rotation is they really c- kind of can't uh, withstand an injury um, for any prolonged time in their starters. I mean, you're probably looking at you know, Eric Fetty is a guy who they still think really highly of, but they probably needs a little bit more seasoning in the minors to kind of really get his you know himself going. Uh, they probably hope they can keep. Malone and Jackson or some of these guys. But again, these aren't necessarily great options um, to have to make to make too many starts in the majors. I mean, if you have to live for, for you know, two weeks, it might be fine. But you know, they don't have a whole lot of rotation depth. And I think that signing one of those guys would have helped that out. But yeah, in, in general, I, I don't think that those were all ever really that realistic of options. They weren't necessarily that interested in signing Arietta or any other any of uh, the other guys. Yeah, and I the 
the trade for Eaton kind of depleted all that pitching, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of the Mets last year. As soon as their rotation went down, they were they were screwed. Um, Nats, to me, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like are a little more well positioned in terms of just being able to, you know, you, you still have Harper, you still have you know Murph when he gets back, et cetera. You still have an offense to to back it up, but. Um, you know, I, I know Eaton hasn't come back to full strength yet. I'm not even sure if he's taking live batting practice yet. Um, supposedly ready for opening day, but he, with you know, with that trade, how's he looking? Because you're right, the the pitching is you know, Giolito's gone, Lopez is gone. Yeah. Um, it's it's tough from a depth uh, perspective. So how is Eaton looking? Since considering yeah. he is the the prize piece to that. Right. And I think I think one more note, too, on that, the difference between them and the Mets, not only are they kind of better with you know, ready to withstand an injury, but outside of Strasburg, none of those guys really have any injury history. So I think that's one thing that makes them feel, you know, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> that makes them feel pretty confident. <laughs> um, but yeah, as far as Eden, I mean, uh, he's, he's he actually has been the kind of odd thing about him. They, they said coming into camp, we're going to take it slow on him and, you know, we're not going to rush it and, and, and ease him in. And I think that they've kind of been very vague about exactly what that meant. And it's kind of surprised me a little bit that he still hasn't played an actual, you know, spring training game. Um, but, you know, we found out uh, earlier today and this is Sunday that he uh, has been playing in some minor league games. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's kind of seen some at bats and, and seen some pitches there. He, and before that he was doing everything else. I mean, as far as, you know, uh, taking batting practice, live BP with everybody else, he had been, you know, doing outfield drills. He had been running around and, and basically everything else the other outfielders were doing, he was there and wasn't necessarily limited or hampered or, okay, it's, you know, we're doing this, so he's got to come out. Right now, it was, there was never anything like that. He was basically full go except for playing in games. And it was just kind of an odd um, dynamic. And I think, again, they just don't, you know, it's getting him two at-bats on March 2nd you know, necessarily really helping him <laughs> as far as getting ready for the season. And, and yeah. you know, spring training is way too long anyway, and it's probably the number one crusade that I'll die on. But I think that they feel like we can still let him get in the games and get at bats and be ready in, you know, a couple of weeks, whatever it'll be kind of by the end of this, as opposed to rushing him and, and, and getting him in the game just for the sake of it, you know, early on. So, uh, so far so good for Eden. Again, he's, you know, he says he's fine and, and he's not feeling any pain and, and kind of going about everything. So um, until there's a, a, a reason, there's still enough time here, even with a couple of weeks out for him to start getting into games this week, um, start building his innings up. Cause these guys still are still playing four or five innings at the most, uh, most of the regulars anyway. So I don't think he has too far behind to catch up. Baseball season is really long. And then you couple on like a ridiculously long spring training. It's like, is there actually an off season? I mean, I know that's a silly question. <laughs> there is, but like, yeah, it's, it's insane. I mean, you're going what late February to shit Thanksgiving, essentially. Like it's, it's, if yeah. You count, if I you mean, count the postseason, I mean, yeah, yeah, the world the world series ending later and later. It feels like, and um, it just again, spring training. I think when it first was created, these guys needed six weeks to get into shape because they were working, they were plumbers or whatever in the off season. You know, now nobody needs nobody needs that. These guys are working all. Look at Instagram; they're working all <laughs> all off season and doing workouts and doing CrossFit and all these crazy work. Like no one needs no one needs six weeks to get in shape. No. So it's just you know it ends up being guys standing around and stretching and jogging for a month and a half but that's a, that's a different podcast which i'm sure is riveting riveting for you guys <laughs> you think about how to cure spring training on next week's episode if you want <laughs> um so we'll go we'll stay on the pitching theme then um you know last year the first half of the season the talk of the team was basically around the the bullpen being just a straight up tire fire, you know, disaster. And then they kind of remade it with a series of trades. You know, there was the Sean Doolittle's, the Ryan Madsen's, 
Brian, Brandon Kinsler, all those guys and all of them coming back. Um, do we feel more comfortable or is there a sense that the team feels more comfortable with what the bullpen looks like? Uh, you just gave me a flashbacks to all the stories I rewrote <laughs> in the eighth or ninth inning after their bullpen blow it. Oh, so terrible. Uh, last year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they feel just this night and day about how much better they feel right now. I mean, if you remember last year at this time, everybody was still debating on who would be the closer and would it be Sean Kelly, would it be Coda Glover, would it be Blake Trinan, who would ultimately end up winning the job. And um, everything just feels a lot more set when you have, you know who your closer is, you know, you know, at the end of the bullpen, you've got, you know, those three guys at the end and, and everything on top of it almost it feels like a bonus, but you've got, you know, Benoit, who they, you know, have high hopes for. Sean Kelly looks pretty, looks healthy, and he's throwing the ball pretty well. Uh, Solis is a guy, you know, that, who they obviously have, have always liked. Um, they, you know, they, 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 their bullpen seems to be a lot settled, more settled. And I think that that's just going to help them, um, you know, a lot this season. That, that a lot of those games that they gave up early or, or whatever, they're, you know, they, don't have to, they don't have to win them twice, whatever the kind of the, the thing was last year. So, yeah, I think in general this bullpen is going to be a lot better. Um, I have a you know, Doolittle and, and Madsen and, and even Kessler. Those have been really good for the last couple of years, and I think that they should pretty much expect the same from them. Uh, so it's, it's, it's weird. This is the best bullpen they've had in, in, in February and March in probably five years or six years or something. It's, it's, it's always a question at this time. Who's going to be the next closer? Who are they going to have to go trade for? And for the first time, that's not really a concern. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great, to be honest with you. Um, you know, assuming we'll, we'll get Kinsler in the seventh, Madsen in the eighth, Doolittle in the ninth, right, the law firm. Um, where, does, where does Coda fit into all this, right? He's, he's kind of the, as, as a, from a fan's perspective, you know, he's, he's the big right arm that was drafted to be the closer, can't seemingly stay healthy. So where does he fit into this? And, you know, considering it seems like the Nats are being cautious with all their players, is that what they're going to do with Coda to start the year? Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what the extent of Coda's health is right now or or injury, because, you know, he came into camp with that shoulder soreness um, and it shut him down for throwing. And, you know, that was February, you know, 15th, 16th. And we're still here almost in the middle of March. and He's still not throwing. Um, you know, that's pretty concerning. Um, they haven't really said much else. I, I'm not sure if he's had another MRI or not or what exactly is going on in there. But, you know, he's a guy at this point, you can count him out for opening day bullpen. If he's not throwing in the middle of March, two or three weeks to go, he's, he's, he's not going to be ready for then. Um, and I'm not sure when he's going to be ready yet. I think still in general, they, they feel highly about this guy and they, they think he, he's got the mentality and obviously the stuff is there to, to be a closer, to be a late inning option, a high leverage option. But, um, you know, again, he, he seemed to can't really stay healthy. And even when he was kind of feeling really good about himself during the offseason and coming into camp, you know, for this kind of to pop up again, um, it just kind of makes you almost question everything and about exactly how, you know, how they plan on using him or how will they go about using him kind of in the future. Um yeah, I, I'm not really sure how he's going to factor into things for this year and, and if and when he ever kind of gets back and gets healthy. But, you know, at this point, again, he's not even throwing. And I think that, uh, you know, I would I would put put my – I'm just not sure when exactly he's going to be able to kind of be a factor for them um, going forward. You, you, you know, it's probably not going to be anytime real soon. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a shame. Anytime you read a headline, we're just going to give him some time due to shoulder soreness in February with his history. It's not something, uh, not something that we want to read for sure. I'm sure he doesn't, I'm sure he wants to be out there, but his, his potential is, is through the roof. Uh, and he could be a swing for that bullpen. I feel like if he could really nail down, 
just, you know, you can't throw Doolittle every day. Um, no, it, I mean, especially, right, you think about those guys at the end and if Kelly's better and if they had Glover, I mean, that, you know, that that's kind of how a lot of these a, Super Bowl pens are getting built. You need yeah, it's a dynamite pen. Arms. Yeah, and I think that they had a chance at that, and um, this kind of injury is, is you know, so it's a pretty big blow. And, you know, they're hoping Ben Watt can kind of step in and, re- and fill that role in. Not necessarily won't be the same, you know, but won't have the same stuff as Glover, but it's yeah, still be another effective he's 40. And he's right. He's also the opposite <laughs> of, the, of the age spectrum as well. But yeah, uh, it, it does. It's unfortunate because I really like watching Coda pitch and, and, and like, and, you know, like that guy as well. Yeah. I was, I was, I was certainly excited about, about him. Um, and, you know, we talked a little bit about Eaton and just the overall health of the team. How does, how does the health factor into like Victor Robles or, you know, Juan Soto, if you will, these guys, you know, obviously highly, highly talented. Robles, might, I think he might be the fifth or sixth best prospect in baseball right now. Um, how are those guys looking? You know, I, I'm assuming we'll see them at some point this year. Be curious how they're, how they're, I mean, I see a Robles highlight every day on Twitter. Yeah, uh, I, I, I would, I would, I would doubt Soto would be up this year. I don't think the plans are for him. He's not even on the, he's not, he's not a guy who's on the 40 man. And, and yeah. I, you know, he's only, he's, he's been hurt a lot of times in his career. So I think that even getting a full seat in, in the minors um, is, is going to be kind of key for him. And and once he does ever play a full seat, you're going to see him shoot up the prospect rankings. He's kind of done that even the last couple of years when he's barely played any games um, just because of a couple of little nagging injuries. But, um, you know, with Robles, you're right. It, it's just literally every other day or every day, really, we're seeing a diving catch or a double in the gap or a, home run or, or driving us he's doing something just don't stealing bases he's you know, he really is showing off all those tools that that you have and you see why everybody was so um you know why he was such a sought after piece in trade rumors the last couple of years uh he, he's he's really good and i think that you know based off I, I don't put a whole lot of stock in general in the spring training numbers but based off watching him and i'm not a scout either um watching him he's he's ready you know he looks like a guy based off from what we saw in september and what i've seen so far you know he could be a major league player right now um the problem is there's just not any room i think that they you know obviously you've got eaton and harper and they feel pretty re- they feel really good about michael taylor i mean he obviously was really good last year and kind of took a step forward he's amazing defensively um and and i think that you know having him as their center fielder is is not nothing's really changed on that front um, he's going to start the season as a center fielder, and they want Robles to play every day. So he's not going to start in Washington to be the fourth outfielder. He's going to probably start in AAA. It's also easy to forget that he's 20 years old and has never played a AAA, and I think that um, that's you know, why I'll start him down, and they're going to start Robles down in you know, prop in the minors most likely unless an injury or something happens where they have a spot for him to play in the lineup every day. But um, it's going to be when I was kind of like Trey a couple of years ago. It's really where I – have kind of compared this in my mind at least you know trey was was starting the minors when he was probably clearly ready to go um and just he's gonna have to almost force his force his way and play if he plays so well in the minors for a couple of months um that they just have to figure out a spot for him i don't think he's gonna move him <laughs> that means moving him to, to say second, second base right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> second base, right but um i mean i think uh, again if this guy does exactly what he's shown he's capable of um, that he's going to be up in D.C. sooner rather than later and they'll have to just figure out something to make it work. But um, I would I would be surprised at this point um, if anything changes that he's going to be there at the start of the year. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I am excited to see him play every day. He can fly. He can yeah. fly. He's faster than Trey. Yeah, he is. And that's, I mean, and it's, it's just, it's, again, it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch him run down balls in the outfield. 
on the bases. I mean, he is he is as advertised that this guy could be really, really, really good. And I think he's going to kind of like Trey have a little bit more power than people expected as well. Because um, I've seen him drive some balls a couple of times, and and you know, obviously the home he had this spring. That I think that you know he's got some some kind of sneaky power in him too. So given that you've talked, I mean, we know the team's loaded, and you know, somebody with yeah. the as Robles is breaking into the lineup. Obviously, is a question. Um, I mean, one through four is pretty solidified, as we mentioned. So maybe you're talking fifth starter in the rotation. Maybe there's some questions at catcher, but by and large, I mean, nothing. This should come as a surprise, but this is one of the deeper rosters or one of the most talented rosters in the game. Um, a lot of people are saying that the gap between the Nationals and any other team in their division is as big as any gap in any division. Um, would you agree with that statement? I think Pat disagrees in slight. And if you do, who do you think is the quote-unquote second-best team or biggest threat, if you will, in the NL East for the Nationals? Hmm. Maybe not to you take said the biggest, division. Maybe not to biggest, take the division, but like the, the next up-and-coming yeah. number one contender, I guess, if you will. Yeah. Wait. So you think the biggest gap um, is the Indian L.E. between the Nats and everybody else? Of any of the other six divisions? That's what other divisions? people say. I'm not saying it myself. That's okay. I, I, I do not. Central is. Yeah, I do not. Yeah, the Indians are can probably walk backwards to the AL Central. I don't. Who? I mean, the Twins got a pretty. The Twins are pretty good, but they're not. They just. They just took Lynn, but. Uh, they could lose 80 and they could lose 90 games and i wouldn't be that surprised either though minnesota yeah um, so i mean just on that little semantics thing yes i think that you know perhaps they're the second biggest <laughs> gap um no i mean this 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 should be their division to win i think that you know i think the division will be better than it's been the last two years um you know the mets quietly kind of had a nice offseason a, a lot of their their um success is going to hinge on health. And I think the Mets are probably the team that has the widest, I was talking to somebody about this at dinner, they have the widest kind of range of outcomes of anybody. You know, if the Mets win 95 games, I don't think I'd be that surprised. If the Mets lose 95 games, I don't think I'd be that surprised. (laughs) And I think that, you know, in in general, that team, you know, if if those guys, they help their rotations, obviously as good as anybody else's in baseball. And, you know, Cespedes and some of the hitters they have too, they, you know, they can be really good. And they're, they're probably the team. I still think that's the second best. Um, the Phillies have had a nice off season. Obviously the area move is, is going to make them kind of a popular, you know, wild card or two pick or something like that. But I think they're still probably a year away, um, you know, outside of Arietta and Nola don't really love that rotation. They've still got some little bullpen thing. I mean, yeah, I, I just, I don't think they're ready just yet, but I mean, they're going to be an intriguing team and they're going to be a, um, a lot more fun team to watch uh, play the Nats you know, 19 times a year. Um, but yeah, you'll still have the Marlins and Braves to fatten up on. It's, it, it's going to be a better division than we've seen the last couple of years. And I, but I still think the Nats are probably 10 games at least better than any 10 or 15 games better than any other team right now. I think that the, the gap is still pretty wide. Especially when Miami is just basically being the Yankees farm system and delivering all <laughs> right. the best players over to New York. That was helpful. So yeah, the, and, and the, and the Braves are, you know, everybody can thinks the Braves are going to make steps forward, and they're, they'll be okay. But I, I don't. I'm, I'm really not a very high on that team either right now this year. I think, you know, this, yeah. I don't know if you guys disagree that the, the Nats are still double digits better than everybody else. Or I what? think I think they. And it's a good. It's a good point about the Mets. I do think the Mets will be pretty good. Um, yeah. Simply based off. Um, I mean, I don't know how much you know. You you listen to DC radio over here, but do do theory over here is is pretty popular. Um, I do think that the Mets will be better simply because they can't be as injured as they were a year ago. Um, 
I don't think it's literally possible. Now, well, I right. say that, and they, they have Cespedes, they have Jay Bruce, they have Frazier, they have Adrian Gonzalez. All these guys are like 35, so they might well, like, get hurt. The um, Mets have the worst combination uh, as far as health-wise. They have young pitchers with injury <laughs> histories and, and old, old position players. <laughs> so it's on one hand, it's like, well, no, they have to be healthier. But it's also like, well, they kind of don't. <laughs> like These guys who get hurt every year, it might just get hurt again every year. We'll say there's a reason for that. Yeah, it's very possible. So, and and you know, again, I don't think they'll be as derailed as, as they were, but I could still see there. You know, there's a couple guys who could go on the shelf, and they don't have a whole lot of depth kind of behind them again. That you know, they could be in a similar situation where they are somewhere maybe middling around 500. But also, again, if they they win 90 games and, and are, are there, I wouldn't be surprised at that either. Yeah, I think Sin. I mean, I think for them, all that matters is they keep two of those horses healthy. If Syndergaard yeah. stay healthy, I don't think Harvey's. Act, I think he's kind of lost it. Um, yeah, yeah. He, but him he's healthy or not, he's. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's just a nutcase. Um, yeah. But I mean, you get you get Syndergaard out there. I mean, I saw him in his spring debut the other day. He mowed some gnats down. Yeah. Uh, and then you add Degrom, and um, yeah, I haven't seen how Degrom's pitched this this. Um, well, he. He had had some back stiffness. Um, he made yeah. his debut on actually today on Sunday, and he looked great actually. Yeah, um, so, so you can ride they, those two guys. Yeah, assuming yeah, they, they stay. I mean, they need probably 175 to 200 innings out of both of them, uh, which is asking a lot from <laughs> from both of them. <laughs> yeah, the ground has been pretty healthy. Syndergaard is the one that's a question mark, and then you probably need somebody else. But yeah, you're. I mean, you're right in general that with those two guys healthy, you a lot of things can kind of you can figure it out. After that, have you got those guys throwing 200 innings or so for you? Yeah. So we know that they're, I mean, assuming a, assuming no catastrophe, which is never a safe assumption in D.C., but assuming <laughs> shit does not go in the completely unforeseen direction, they should be the one wrapping up the NL East. They should be the division winner. Um, they should find themselves in the NLDS again. Given the fact that the Cubs and the Dodgers have kind of done the same in terms of playing back again, their rosters by and large, um, in terms of just the pecking order or power rankings or however you want to refer to it, did, did the Nationals really close the gap between either team? I mean, you can make the argument that they were better than the Cubs to begin with, but, you know, what's the gap between those teams? And, uh, I mean, frankly, is it is it realistic to expect them to kind of get past either of them and get to the place where we all hope and dream they will someday? Yeah, it's something I've thought about a lot this spring. Um I think last year they were better than the Cubs and they probably should have, they should have won that series um, just based on talent alone. Um, that being said, I think right now where things stand on paper, I'm not sure. Sh- I, I think there is a tier below where the Dodgers and Cubs are. And, and I, you know, I look at just some of the, the, the there's so much of a, a, you know, the MLB just kind of top heavy in general, right? There's you can pr- pretty much look at every division and, and pick, you know, who the winners are going to be. And I think that, you know, the Dodgers, Cubs, Astros, and Yankees maybe even have kind of put themselves on one tier. And right behind that is where the Indians, the Nats, uh, even Boston or so are, are kind of at. And, and again, these are all really, really good teams that are going to win 95 or so games. Um, but I still think that they're a little bit, they're a step below those other two teams. Um, so I'd probably still put the, the, the Nats third just on that sort of pecking order, just looking at the teams on paper. Should just, a lot can change. Now, a lot can change, obviously, between what happens to the deadline, who's healthy, and, and all those kind of things. But um, just based off where I see things right now, I, I think I like the other two teams better, um, just kind of as currently constructed. 
Fantastic. We can start our stories on their next NLTS exit <laughs> to start it from now. It's hard. Too soon. That's a, it's a lot of That's enthusiasm. A, it's, it's tough, right? I mean, almost like half of me is when I'm, I'm, I'm like kind of realizing this, I'm just like, ah, does that mean I'm going to pick them to lose in the NLDS? That just seems right. like a, <laughs> like a, 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 just kicking somebody when they're down. I don't want to, I want to do that to, to DZ fans. And I think there's just a very good chance. I'm not saying that there's, I wouldn't be stunned if this team's in a World Series, that they're talented enough to do it. Um, you know, I just think that, again, look, looking at it right now on a paper, that I don't, I don't, I'm not sure that they match up as well with the, those other teams. Well, DC is pretty used to teams losing the first or second round. So, That's um, true. You know, you can you don't. I don't think you're really kicking us when we're down because we expect it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't kick us. I mean, it's not a problem. Yeah, you can't. You can't because we're always down. We're not up to be kicked. It's just called kick kicking us. us. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> all right. So the we'll, we'll kind of get you out on this, but you know, the big topic around here, assuming whether they break through to the place where we want them to go, or whether they end up, you know, doing the Groundhog Day thing again, is Bryce Harper. Um, it's going to be the question that everyone's going to ask. It's already started asking. He's already said, I have no interest in answering this question, which I'm sure you're very familiar with, or I don't know if you were there firsthand when it happened. Um, which question is this? The Bryce Harper I'm, I'm kidding. Sorry. I'm kidding. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, Just of course. Sure. <laughs> Technical difficulty, right? Um, so we'll, we'll start at the macro level in terms of the team's Basically, you know, they're really, really close to the MLB luxury tax. And as we mentioned, Harper and Murphy and Gonzalez are all free agents and probably, you know, all not going to be back with the team. Is there that sense kind of coming full circle from the, to the first question we asked where the window has one last crack open, if you will? And if it's not now, then, you know, maybe not, I don't want to say ever, but maybe not in the immediate future. So now this is one thing that I will say about the mood or whatever at Nats camp. They are not interested in this question. Um, they've heard a couple of times before about, you know, the window or about, you know, last chances of winning or so. And, and in general, Dave Martinez is, is over it. Uh, he's, he's, he's heard about it since he's got here. And a lot of these guys are, are you know, they don't, they don't want to hear that kind of question. And I get it, you know, from an athlete standpoint, you don't, Everyone wants to think their their chance to win a title is is now or never, um, you know. But in a sense, with this as currently constructed in this core, um, this is their shot. You know, this is this is their chance, and I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about Bryce in a second, but I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he's gone. But you also is a, there's a chance um, that you know he's not going to be back, and I think that when you talk about this kind of I, I'm I'm very high on on Bryson Jenner. I think he's a franchise altering and generational player. And losing that kind of player, no matter what you have with Robles or whomever in the minors, is going to be a setback if you don't you know keep that guy. Um, so yes, I think that this is um, this is going to be one of the most important years in general in franchise, the most important year in franchise history um, between what happens this season and what happens this winter. So, um, you know, whether or not they like the question or not, I think it's, it's valid. It's true that this is, um, you know, th this is the window for this current group, this current core, because Max and Strasburg are not getting any younger. Um, their innings are kind of piling up. And you talk about Zim, how many more years do they expect him to be good? Murphy obviously has had his run and he, you know, not sure if he's going to be back. And, and, and Gio, I mean, there's a lot of um, 
question. You know, different. There's a lot of different factors that are going to be different on this team in 2019. Mike Rizzo, we haven't even really talked about. He's, yeah. you know, currently doesn't have a contract past this year. I expect him to be back, but still, there's just a lot of things that can go that can go differently here in about a year. And I think that yes, it's it's fair to say that this is um, you know, this is their shot for this current group to to kind of bring this whole thing home and then actually win something. Yeah, I mean, I I would we're going to get to Harper. Obviously, I, I would be curious to get understand you know what kind of talks have gone on between the sides because they as close as boris is to the learners i'm sure they've had some sort of conversation about it um but you know i I view rizzo as almost a bigger priority than harper uh be i don't don't know if i'm in my own camp that way but rizzo's done so much for this organization and you look at um you know what he just did with the first round draft pick i can't think of his name i'll tell my head right now but sending him home setting that precedent right Um, yeah yeah, yeah, I would be. I think he's a bigger priority than than anybody. Um, and then obviously, would love to he- hear from you if if uh, if those conversations are being had between Boris and the learners. If you have any idea if that's actually happening, um, I would say that you know from the beginning, everybody's kind of been aware. You know, there have been some some discussions, some small talks, initiations, whatever. But I think everybody's been pretty aware that this thing is going to go to free agency. Um, mm-hmm. It just it, it's it's. The, between the potential mega record contract, between the, the age of the player, who's you know the agent, um, th- I think everybody's kind of understood that that you know that's going to have he's going to put his 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 kind of uh, rice going to be out there in the pool and it's the open market and the Nats are going to have to bid for him that way among other teams. I don't think that there's really I, I would knock on you know I'm sure I'll be may look dumb here in a couple months or something, but uh, I don't think there's any realistic chance that they can get an extension done. Um, just because I don't even know what that number would would look like without other teams kind of putting their input in or, or whatever. But um, so um, that being said, you know, I, I've heard that take before the whole Rizzo, Rizzo is, is, is yeah. more important than Bryce. And it was difficult to say. Um, I, I think they're very they're both really important. You know, Mike obviously has built this is this team and this franchise into the, you know, the kind of perennial winner they that they are now and from where they were you know when the team first got here and especially when they kind of went those couple hundred lost seasons you know that's a that's a pretty big feat and i think that losing him like, would be a huge setback for these for this team and i think that they um are aware of that and i i, I mean mike seems to continue to say he's confident that they're gonna get something done i i still kind of believe that that you know that they won't let this happen now a year ago, I would have said the same. Even five months ago, or so, I would have said the same thing about Dusty Baker. Uh, <laughs> so I, I've kind of been a little bit gun shy on this, but I, I think they're going to get that deal done. And, and I don't necessarily know if losing him would be a bigger deal than Bryce. But you know, I mean, again, Bryce is, is a to me a, outside of Mike Trout, I'm not sure another position player that I'm taking before Bryce Harper. And I think yeah, no having that having that guy around for the next decade or whatever as the face of your franchise and in, in the middle of your lineup and, and, and kind of the things that he brings them it's not it's not a small uh, t- uh feat it's not an easy thing to, to replace so i mean um yeah it's again it's just that can't, i can't go back to how just important it is this year to you know, not only take advantage of bryce when you have him for you know this potential mvp for one more year um but then to go forward and try to do your best to, to resign him and convince him that he need, you know could spend the rest of his career, the next chunk of his career here in DC. So putting you on the spot from that segue, <clears throat> if we had to bet your this year's salary, not that we're actually going to, in terms of all right, we're fast forwarding to the summer or the 
winter or whatever it is for 2018, and now Bryce Hyper's a free agent. Yeah. Where is yeah. he playing in 2019, just from your initial gut reaction? I can't answer this question. I know. <laughs> I, Didn't I, I, think but so, I, but I thought I, I'd put it out there. <laughs> I can't I can in, in the sense that I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think I will say this. I, I, I don't think it's a, a fait accompli that he's gone. Um, I think there's a chance that he's back in D.C. in 2019. Um, I think there's a good chance he's back in nice in, in DC, especially if you have Rizzo back. They've got a good relationship. He seems to genuinely like DC. I don't think that that's just kind of lip service or BS. I think that you know he does like it. And and I've said this before. Some of the guys that he, you know, idolizes or or just in you know baseball guys that he um, kind of looks up to, but the Kyle Ripkins, Derek Jeters, and such. You know, he likes the fact that those guys spent their one year, their whole career with one team and that they made their legacy, you know, behind, you know, Kyrie. You think about the Orioles, you think about Derek G, you think about the Yankees, whatever it is. I think he likes that idea. He likes the idea of the, the possibility of, of, you know, becoming the, the face of the Nats and being the first name you think of when you think about Nationals baseball, you know, in, in, in 20 years or whatever it might be. So, I mean, I think those things are appealing to him. Um, and I think the comfort of potentially being here is appealing to him. Now he's got, now there's a couple things with that too. He wants to win and he, uh, you know, and is going to want to be around a team where he feels like he can keep winning and he's going to get his money. I mean, if, if, if the nationals are not willing to match, whatever that dollar figure is going to be, whether it's three, four five, whatever, hundred million, the numbers we keep kind of seem thrown out. Um, those things have to be equal. <laughs> You know, I think that if the Nats are, are, are not willing to, to match that or be within somewhere close to that range, um, then it's kind of a moot point. But, you know, if, if this team goes out this year and they show again that they're close or they get to the World Series or whatever, those things only, I think, kind of encourage and, and help, you know, his thought process that if he feels like, ah, we're right here and we got Robles coming up and, you know, they're going to spend money and they're going to do these kind of things, uh, that he's going to be willing to come back. But all the big t- names that we've heard um, that'll have money, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Cubs, those teams that'll put themselves in a position to potentially spend um, this winter or next winter, I think that that's, uh, you know, they're going to be options as well. So um, that knows an odd answer, but <laughs> no, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good answer because to me, it's, you know, it, I think the legacy part is huge. Uh, he, yeah. I mean, he's been talking about the Yankees and Jeter since he was like 16, exactly. right? Um, but it's, it's funny cause <laughs> it kind of mirrors some other things going on. Um, I was you know, just it's, thinking the same thing. It, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, not, you know, all he wants these things, he wants to win, but ultimately it's about the money, which sounds exactly like another free agent in these parts. Except uh, that, is, that GM, uh, the, the, this, this GM is not dicked over the player at every opportunity possible. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's a little bit different in, in that sense. <laughs> Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I do think though that it, it is about the money with Bryce. But I don't think he's going to take five hundred and fifty million to go to Tampa. You know, I, I don't think it's just like highest bidder in Petersburg. Go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a, a team that has some legacy, that has some history, and again, is in position to to win and, and to win. And and, and that's going to the Dodgers are going to be there. The Cubs are going to be options. The Yankees if they want to, can be in that same thing. Those teams are, are set up to win and are going to spend and they're going to have the money to, to present him. So, I mean, the Nats are, are going to have to prove that they can be at least on the same level playing field as those teams. When, when you, whether you think they are or not is, is kind of up for debate or, or you know up to you. But I, I think that they legitimately 
um, will be and, and will make a, a solid offer and a solid run at Regardless, the contract is going to be bigger than the size of the gross domestic product of like a hundred countries, anyway. Yeah. So I just it, the, the numbers are just staggering. I don't think okay. it's going to be the five hundred million number that we talked about. Although, frankly, nothing would surprise me I, the way you know contracts are doled out. So, um, Jamal, thank you so much. Awesome, awesome, awesome content. Really, really appreciate it. Um, if for everyone who hasn't checked out, make sure you follow Jamal Jam- at Jamal Collier on Twitter. I'll make sure we post a link to him on the Hail to the District site. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll let uh, for making it this far to the podcast. If you haven't done so already, please make sure you follow us on SoundCloud. Leave us some commentary on iTunes. But um, Jamal, hopefully, we'll talk to you later. And once again, thank you so much for all the great insight. No, thank you guys for letting me ramble and, and run my mouth here for a lot of all, something. Appreciate it, man. You have a great evening. All right. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.